remember those words, yet not I, but Christ in me. That's a good prayer, isn't it, to have this morning. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome to you, Fall. And if you're a guest with us, it's good to see you too. Just make yourself at home this morning and worship with us. Uh, we appreciate you being here. The book of 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter number 11. I, have a, I had a thought that come to me just a, a few weeks ago, and I, I couldn't shake it. And um, we're having the Lord's Supper next Sunday, and um, I got a thought about this thing of, of coming to the table. Coming to the table. Um, I love to eat, okay? <laughs> it, I, I think all of us fall into that at some point where we just kind of get up around that table. We'll make, we'll make mention of that just in a second, but I want to read a very familiar passage of Scripture to you. And it's used a lot of times when we do have the Lord's Supper. But I want to put a, maybe list a little bit different spin on it this morning. And not for the Lord's Supper's sake, but why can't we have that same attitude daily? Coming to the table. Let's, let's read and then we'll have a word of prayer and we'll jump into it here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Once again, you're, you're familiar with these verses. It says this, verse 23, For I have received... Of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, at the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as, or as, often as you eat this bread, and drink this come, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28. We want to kind of spend a little bit of time here just in a few minutes. But let a man examine himself. Take a little bit of inventory. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, there's that word again, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. For your word, God, I thank you for the music this morning, God. I thank you for how you've just, our Lord, reached down already and just seemed to move in the service, God. I thank you for your people. Help us this morning forget who we are and try to center in on you. That's all we'll ever need to do is just figure out who you are, what you want for our lives, God. Help us this morning as we try to give this thought out of how we need to come to the table. Are we, are we anticipating something from you, God, daily? Help us to see it that way. Help us, Lord. Help me as I try to give this that it can be a help, Lord, and most of all, Lord, that you can help somebody today out in the audience. In your name we do pray. Amen. So, Lord's Supper's next Sunday, and I started thinking about this thing of, of eating, and like I said, one of the joys of mine, I, I, I like to do that. I kind of plan for, you know, when you go on vacation, that's one of the things you do. You kind of store extra money, put it back away, because you're going to eat, you want to eat some nice places. But I got thinking about a time in which we eat, in which we all prepare for. Just here in a few months, uh, fall time of the year, you know, pumpkins are out, and we all sit down with our family, and we have a Thanksgiving meal, all right? And that's one of those meals where you go into that meal, and you, you wear those turkey pants, all right? 
You remember those, the kind that you have the elastic that you can let out a little bit because you know you're going to eat too much, you turkey swells, you know? So you get one of those gravy hangovers, I mean, about 2.30 in the afternoon. I mean, you've put so much gravy on stuff, you don't know where it's going. I mean, and you, but you prepare yourself for that meal. You are ready. I thought of, I thought of a couple things. As you're coming to that table, there's a couple things that has to happen before you get to come to the table. And these are our prerequisites this morning. One is this. You have to come with clean hands. You can forget it. Mama ain't going to let you in with dirty hands. All right? You go, you wash up, and you come. And I got thinking about this thought of, of clean hands when we come to the table. There's a lot of times that we come to the table, when we come to God's table, and we think about what he's got for us, that we say this, and I agree, we're so unworthy, and we are. But sometimes we get stuck in that and realize the cost that was paid for us. Jesus died for us. He died for us. And so what we need to do is nudge up to the table Get that unconfessed sin. Get those things out. So one prerequisite that we need is we need to have clean hands. He's invited us. We are not worthy. Listen to what James 4, verses 7 through 10 says. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Verse number 10 says this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So verse 28 told us this. Examine. We'll mention more a little bit later, but we're just doing some things that we got to get to the table first. The first thing that you do is you got to have clean hands. The second pre prerequisite is this you got to have a good appetite. All right? Once again, you're, you're planning for this meal. You didn't eat supper the night before. <laughs> Tomorrow's turkey day. All right? Tomorrow is turkey day. And you know the, you have it planned out. All right? How foolish. How foolish would it be if is, is the morning that you wake up and you got turkey coming and you got gravy and mashed potatoes and pumpkin? Can I, I'll keep going on if you want me to. You got all that stuff and you get up that morning and you eat some fruity pebbles. Just didn't do it. Fru fruity pebbles may be okay another morning, okay? But this morning, man, you're staying away from the fruity pebbles, okay? Fruit, Fruit Loop's not doing it this morning. The best kind is with, is, is with, with, with marshmallows anyway. So that's the best kind. You get up and you eat that. You say, no, no, no. I have, a, I, have a, I have a banquet coming up today. I have plans coming up today. I got plans to eat. Psalms 34, 8 says this. We need to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you'll go back one chapter in your Bible... Look at back in chapter number 10, verse number 21. We are reminded of something when we are, we can't, we can't be taken from, from two things. You can't drink the cup of the Lord and you can't drink the cup of devils that the Bible says. Look in verse number 21 of chapter number 10. It says that you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table 
and the table of devils. It's not possible to do that. What we have to do is have clean hands and a good appetite. Here's my question to you. Do you get up on Sunday morning? I know Sunday mornings can be crazy. We had, I ran off the road this morning, okay? <laughs> and there's over something stupid. My wife had this little box of gum, and it was a re, one of these recycled boxes. I've never seen one of these before, and I looked over, and the next thing I know, I'm jerking it back over. Everybody's, oh, you're going crazy in the car. Sorry, didn't mean to do that, okay? So, crazy, Sunday mornings can be crazy. I get it. But when you get up on Sunday morning, do you get up and you say, man, I am ready to go. I'm ready. I want to go hear something, not from the preacher. I want to hear something from God's word this morning. It's going to change my heart. It's going to change my mind. It's going to, if I was doing this this week and I need to change the direction, I'm going this, the, I'm going this the next week. Do you come that way? And I'm guilty, all right? I was worried about getting here safely this morning after that, all right? But when we get here, what are we looking for? I got, I got thinking about this thing of appetites, and I got thinking about, of course, my children are, I got one that's getting ready to graduate college, one graduate high school, Gracie's getting ready to be 13. Do you remember when you're, the different stages when your kids were eating, all right? Do you remember, of course, when they were younger, if they wanted something, they cried. Some of them still may, they get older, I don't know. But they, 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 they cried. Toddlers, what happens to them, they want to they wanna reach out and grab it. Right? So you got this little old, old cream puff things they eat, and they, they, they grab them. Okay? Then you got middle schoolers that are kind of like a, a conveyor belt of just whatever happens. All right? They just shovel it in, shovel it in. I mean, that age from about like 11, 12 to 18, it's like whatever comes in, it don't matter. It's all times of the day. Those teenagers, it sounds like that door at my house is constant open shut, open shut. I mean, it don't matter. 10.30 at night's the same as 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's eat all the time. And then we realize when we get older that what we eat stays with us, <laughs> okay? We wear that a little bit better than we did when we were teenagers. But I had this thought. Our appetites change as we age, because we're going through different stages of growth. But there's one thing that remains the same throughout. We all have to eat. And God's word is that way. There'll never be a day when you don't need God's word. That'll never happen. There'll be a day when you'll need it more maybe. But you've got to stay in there every day. We need it to fill up. We need a good appetite. First Peter 2 one through three says this, Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That's how we come to the table. Wash up, clean up, and be hungry. Be ready to come. So when we go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, What's the Lord's table for? Why do we do this thing of communion? Why do, we do, why do we do that next week? Well, number one, it's a time of worship. It's a time that we gather around as God's people and we worship. Number two, it's a time of remembrance. It's time to go down memory lane a little bit. Travel back and say, Lord, I, re I remember that time that you did this. That's a great place to do that. Number three, it's a time of spiritual intimacy. You know we always do this before the Lord's Supper, and I'm sure we'll do it next week. Right before you take the elements, we're all invited to pray, right? 
pray, find out, confess. You, get, you nudge up real close. Number four, it's, it's worship, it's remembrance, it's intimacy. In church, it's a time of unity. It's a time of unity where you can come together as one and share in something that he's given us. But I want you to notice, I didn't read this purposely, but look in verse number 17 of chapter 11. I want you to notice what's going on before the Lord's Supper was taking place. It kind of like, it may look like your house did this Sunday morning, tried to get everybody ready. It may be just a little bit crazy. Notice in verse number 17 what was going on. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. You have criticism that's being given as before they even get to the table. Verse number 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be, what's the next word? Divisions among you. I partly believe it. You know this morning when you woke up, if you got, if you got those teenage kids, somebody don't agree with somebody. Somebody's wrong, all right? Maybe it may be you and them going at it, all right? You got divisions. Verse number 19. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before his own. You're doing your own thing. It kind of sounds like us before we get to the table. We've not met our prerequisites. Our clean hands and our appetite's not there. We're doing what we want to do. Look at verse number 21. For in eating, everyone taketh before his own supper, and one is hungry, the other is drunken. Look at verse number 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And watch what happened. Watch what could have happened in verse number 32. But when ye are judged, ye are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. It doesn't sound like it's a good place to have the Lord's Supper. It sounds like a lot of stuff bad's going on. So you got to get to the place. So our prerequisites this morning that we even, before we even get there is this. How are your hands? How clean are you? Number two, you have a good appetite. Are you anticipating what the Lord is going to do. So when we come to the table the right way and our attitude is right and we're waking up each morning and we're saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? What did we find out from the table? What can we take away? I've got three thoughts this morning. The first thought comes from verse number 26. The first thought is this. When we come to the table the right way, we are proclaiming our redemption. Literally, it is a proclamation of redemption. Look at verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Communion is that idea of sharing in common. And how many times I've been in these services of communion that maybe uh, the pastor goes around and he maybe asks some people to give a testimony. You know, what would the Lord do if you kind of have that idea? You go around and you're sharing your redemption story there. And I'll encourage you to do this. If you're saved this morning and you know who Jesus Christ is, tell, tell the devil about it every now and then. <laughs> he sure bothers us enough, doesn't he? He sure gets on our back enough. 
And here's the, it, I think it's this. I think it's good for you to remind him, and it's really good for him to hear it. Lord, look, I know I'm unworthy, but you save me. I have a redemption story. David Jeremiah, great quote. I'm sure many of you have heard him and love to listen to him. He said this, Saving us is the greatest and most concrete demonstration of God's love. The definitive display of his grace throughout time and eternity. What's your story? I've been reading a book. It's called Men of Influence. And one of the main things in there, the main things is this. You have a story to tell. You say, well, I don't really have a story. I just, no, no. We all have a story to tell. Every person does. So I started looking up some individuals and thinking about stories and your own story, my story. There's some people that need to hear the story that you have. I thought about this man. You've, you've heard of him before. His name is Oswald Chambers. The book is called, one of the books is called My Utmost for His Highest. You've all probably heard of those books. Oswald Chambers died at a very young age, 43 years old. You say, wow, that's, that's young. Yeah, that's, that's young. So as I started reading his story, and God always has these things authored and under control, Oswald married a lady named Gertrude Hobbs. She was an expert stenographer. And so he died at 43 of appendicitis and peritonitis. What that is, is an inflammation of the membrane that lines the abdominal wall. He died of that. They didn't find out. You're talking, this is from 1874 to 1917. That was his life. And this is what I didn't know about Oswald Chambers. He never actually had written any of his books. His wife, Gertrude, who was the sonographer, literally wrote down, listened to his messages, and wrote down what he had written in books. And that's how Oswald was known. So his wife prepared all the books that he had written. He died at 43. He made this quote. Now that's a unique story within itself, but here's his story. This is what he said. They said that Oswald was, was a very uh, sarcastic type of guy. So he liked to have fun. He said this, I am realizing more and more the futility of separating a life into secular and sacred. And he said this, it is all his. You can be much more for him than you ever know by just being yourself and relying on him. And he said this, keep praying and playing and being yourself. You've got a story to tell. You need to proclaim your redemption to somebody. You need to tell. If he saved you and he has forgiven you, you have a story to tell. So not only, number one, do we see a proclamation of redemption, number two, we go back to this. We see an examination of self an examination of self. Look in verse number 28. But let a man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. 
Let's read a couple more verses. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Why do we need to examine? You know, periodically, it's good to take inventory. You have to do it at work. You probably hate it, all right? You got to go through. And I kind of compare it to this. When you go through and take inventory, you find some things that you don't need and that you can get rid of, maybe that's been on the shelf for a while, but you also may find some things that you didn't need then, but you may need them right now. And that's what life does. It goes through stages. So you take that inventory. It's like that drawer that you have somewhere in your house, and you call it your, drunk, your junk drawer. And when you come in in the afternoon, you throw everything in that drawer. All right? And then you're like, man, where did I put that? It's in the junk drawer. It's in the junk drawer. Everybody's got one of those drawers. And every now and then, you got to go through that and clean it up. you got to go clean that thing up. So how do you do that? How do you examine yourself? Number one, confess before the Lord your sin, weakness, doubt, or fear. You say, I don't have any. Huh? <laughs> Are you human? <laughs> if you don't have a weakness, a doubt, or a fear. Notice what the Lord says in Isaiah 41, 13. Clean up, confess, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What about 1 Corinthians 10, 13? There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Ooh, God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So number one, you confess that weakness, that sin, that doubt. Number two, this is the hard part. Number two, speak what God's word says about that doubt or fear, even if in your heart you don't believe it. <laughs> that is hard to do. You say, Lord, I've not been through this before. How do I say it? Trust what his word says. That's that faith. That's that faith part. But he's faithful. When you examine, you take inventory, you find out what you need, what you had, and now you may need something else. Confess it. Say it. 2 Timothy 3.16, it's truth, it's in the Bible. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Psalms 19.7 says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We need those clean hands. We need those clean hands. Some of you are clean freaks, all right? And I hate to even say this word, but I'm going to, COVID, okay? Some of us all had, when, when, we, when we went through COVID, okay, we all had different ways of doing that, okay? Some of us, it was mask, it was anti, I mean, we couldn't buy enough of the hand sanitizer. We, is, everywhere we go, we're hand sanitizing stuff up, we're masked, we're, we gotta have clean hands, how, how dirty, how dirty are we just as human beings? It, say, it is said that this, this is true. One germ, 
can multiply into more than 8 million germs in one day. (laughs) Give me some hand sanitizer. Number two, your hands come in contact with around 10 million bacteria per day. And last night, those chicken wings were so good, and you went up to here getting that sauce off. I mean, you're doing that number. And this is one that I thought was crazy, but it makes a lot of sense. More than 90,000 annual deaths from from infection occur in hospitals. But do you know what it's by? The remote control. (laughs) The remote control that's in the room. Remote controls contribute to more than 90,000 annual deaths from infection acquired in hospitals. Now look, we need those hospitals. We need to be cleaned up. We have, some of us have one of those love-hate relationship with doctors, okay? You hate to go see them, but boy, you love the medicine. If you know me, I hate to even say this, Matt, but if you know me much, I hate needles, Okay? If my leg's broken and hang it off, leave it hanging. Don't put a needle in my arm, okay? I can't, I, a few years ago, and <laughs> a few years ago, we, we got life insurance came out. And this was probably 10 years ago. And uh, they were coming out. They had to draw blood, do all this kind of stuff. They come to my house. But thank the Lord. It was a safe place to land. Uh, they come to my house, and I'm sitting at the table, and here they got the needles, and they're taking blood, and I've never really been like this before. I mean, I've had three or four surgeries and been under, I've been under anesthesia before. And so I'm sitting at the table and this guy's talking to me in general conversation. And all of a sudden, I start to feel it. (laughs) I start to feel that backing out of reality just a little bit. My head's kind of getting a little bit heavy. I remember this before I was in the floor. I said, look, dude. You better get what blood you want because I'm getting ready to go out. (laughs) And no more than I got that sentence out, I remember I'm on the floor and they're going, are you okay? And Elizabeth's like, if you don't wake up, we don't get life insurance. (laughs) And so so since that time, if if you could put a needle in my arm, you're going to have to lay me back. If not, I will go back automatically. Okay? So... I don't like needles, but man, when something's wrong, we sure do love those doctors, don't we? (laughs) We need to be clean. We need to be clean. Examine yourselves. Proverbs 13, 15 says this, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. Man, it's hard to go that way. Clean yourself up. Be ready to come to the table. So, number one, there is a a proclamation of redemption. Number two, there's an examination of self. And number three... There's a reception of provision. There's a reception of provision. Look at verse number 29. Let's get one thing straight this morning. In verse number 29 it says this, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. There's none of us worthy to go to the table. None of us. The only worth that we have 
is when we ascribe the worth of who Jesus Christ is. That's our worth. That's where we find our help. He's, he's made us worthy through that blood of the cross. You said, what about trying to earn it? You can't. You, you can't earn. How do, you, how do you earn something like that that is so great? You, you can't do it. Our value and acceptance is only found in him and the accomplishment of what he has done. The full worth of the provision of the Lord's table is not only for the forgiveness of sins, but also for every matter in your life. How much do you tell him? I don't, I don't want to tell him that. He knows already. I'm mad. He knows. I'm sad. He knows. I had a bad thought. He knows. Do you tell him everything? Sometimes I sit on the mower several hours during the day. And, I've, and when I started doing this seven or eight years ago, it was kind of my therapeutic way of doing things. Now it just makes money, okay? <laughs> so it's changed a little bit. But when I'm on that mower and that hum of that mower, I find myself sometimes, I, I rehearse some things in my mind. And I just go through and sometimes I just like, Lord, man, I don't deserve that. And people probably look at me crazy sometimes. You know, I'm talking, I'm doing this. I, I, I catch myself singing sometimes. I try to stop that real quick, okay? But I'm sitting on that mower, and it's humming, and I, I'm just like going through like, Lord, no way, no way, no way. And when timer's tough, and I'm like, Lord, help this today. Help this person today. Do this. Are you telling him everything? You see, he doesn't want to know. He does. He does want to know, too. He, want, he wants you to tell him, Matt, you can come on. That cup that is mentioned there is the testimony of this church that he has paid for everything that we need. <laughs> everything that we could possibly need. What does he provide for us? He provides your physical needs. He can provide rest. He can provide direction. He can provide grace. He can provide ways to escape temptation. He can provide help for a hurting soul this morning. He provides salvation. And he gives us heaven. It's a pretty good list, isn't it? I think I'd take that any day. What am I trying to say? He can do it all. He provides it all. You proclaim your redemption. I'm telling you, you examine yourself. And you receive what he's given. Philippians 4, 19 says this, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. If he cares for them, you know he cares for you. <laughs> you know he cares for you. It says, are you not much better than they? You are the pinnacle of his creation. You are, you are wonderfully made, as the Bible says, and he has everything that you need. He calls you and me to come to his table, proclaim his redemptive work in our lives, examine ourselves that we might grow as disciples, and receive every blessing that has sacrificed for it, that he has provided.
Matt's going to sing a verse of a song, and it's called, Come to the Table, if you'll stand and bow your heads this morning.